You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. California, the exodus continues. California to lose a congressional seat according to a new census data. They're going to lose a congressional seat. You've got this shift happening from the north down to the south, as far as geography in the United States, with the exception of California, kind of on the northwest end of things, west end of things for sure. They're losing some people. We're going to talk about it. That's what we're doing today. Why Why on earth are people leaving California? It's so sunny. It's got, you know, oceanfront for a large portion of it. It's just such a great environment. Oh, no. No, people are leaving. They're going elsewhere. <laughs> they're, they're actually, you know, one of the states is Washington, Washington and Oregon, if you can believe that, just not specifically Seattle and Portland. That's what we're talking about today on, on this podcast. If you're new here, my name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of side hustles that have been around for a very long time, a couple of real estate companies, but you don't care about that. You just care that I'm a real estate guy that reads the news you want to hear. All right, let's jump on in. So this is from the LA Times. So California will lose one seat in Congress for the first time in state history, while Texas and Florida, huh, what's going on there? Texas and Florida are among the states that will see the representation increase. This is according to population data released by the United States Census Bureau on Monday. This is an article that came out uh, just a couple of days ago on the 26th of April, and I'm reading this to you on the 29th of April. Um, that gave the first glimpse of the coming decades congressional landscape. We've got stuff going on. We've got changes happening. And it looks like it's leaning a little more to the right than it is to the left. I don't know. We'll just have to see how this goes. The new appointment, uh, the new apportionment figures, which use the decennial headcount every decade, Correct, decennial. I don't even know if I know that word. Uh, which used the decennial headcount to allocate representation in the U.S. House of Representatives across the states. It's our crucial building block in mapping the country's political geography. The details arrived months later than in a typical census as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, scramble, which scrambled the standard timeline. We're just blaming everything on covid Just if you can't get your job done, yeah, you know what? COVID. If you can't pay your rent on time, oh, COVID. Can't pay your mortgage, COVID. I mean, just anything. You cheat on your spouse, uh, you know, COVID. No. The more granular data necessary to draw district boundaries are not expected until the fall, resulting in an uncommonly compressed and chaotic redistricting process. So we've got some drama with the U.S. Census and what that does with politics. The delays are injecting a new level of volatility into the 2022 midterms. I love it how authors of political stuff use these words, volatility. Like this is, um, you know, just not, not grandiose words, but very descriptive because you have to use descriptive words because this stuff is so dry and boring otherwise, right? So we got a new level of volatility into the 2022 midterms as Democrats led by Speaker Nancy Pelosi of San Francisco try to fend off takeover in the House by GOP leader Kevin McCarthy of Bakersfield. The unknown, unknown contours of the eventual districts are complicating nearly all aspects of congressional campaigns, including candidate recruitment, 
fundraising, and early appeals to voters. So we've got stuff going on. Just the the demographics here, I think, are interesting. Uh, to the person that that uh, sent me this, I responded in email, and I said, um, "I'm I'm probably going to record this uh, to the I'm going to record this on the podcast." And I said, "But if California would have counted their homeless population accurately, they probably would have gained a seat." I don't know. Who knows? How do the how do the homeless get counted? I know everybody wants to say, "Ah, oh, here's our accurate numbers." That to me is just um, I don't know how you I don't know how you do that. It's like going into a war where you don't know where the battlefield is, who your opponent is, or when the battle is going to begin," said former uh, Representative Steve Israel of New York, who led the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee from 2011 to 2015. It sounds like we've got the blind leading the blind. You don't know where the battlefield is. Where am I going? Who you're fighting? Or what time does it start? Monday's apportionment data offered a step toward answers to some of those questions. New York. So we got New York. We've got Illinois. We've got Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. Each lost a seat. Interesting. Huh. That's wild, right? In addition to California. So those lost a seat in addition to California. Texas gained two seats and Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon each gained one. This is it. The population does, I mean, it's an interesting thing. It's like, where are people going and why? Texas and Florida, I see that all the time. Colorado, yep, get it. Totally understand. Montana, North Carolina. I don't know a lot about North Carolina other than one of my appraisers moved from North Carolina to Seattle and then he went to, he's in Idaho now, or no, he's in Colorado now. But that, those were career moves for him. Um, and then Oregon. Uh, population, people have got to be moving to Eastern Oregon. There's no way they're moving to Portland. And that's really, you know, you got Portland and a couple other cities, but you just don't have a ton of population in Oregon, just in general. Oregon, 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 Oregon. Overall, the census pegged the nation's total population at 331,449,281, not 282, 281. A 7.84% increase from 2020. That seems like a lot, doesn't it? 7.4%. That's a big gain in, in a decade, right? The rate of, although I have no idea what a normal increase would be for the United States. No clue. I'm just talking out of my rear end here. The rate of growth was the second slowest. Ah, there we go. Here we go. Sean, read the next sentence before you start making ridiculous comments. The rate of growth was the second slowest in U.S. history. The Bureau will deliver the census block data, the smallest geographic area detailed by the count, which can vary from the size of a city block to hundreds of square miles in rural areas by September 30th, six months later than originally planned because of COVID, right? For California, that meant maps won't be finalized until February. The census is the constitutionally designated method to meet out seats in the House of Representatives, which since 1929 has been permanently capped at 435 districts. Every state is guaranteed at least one representative, and the size of each delegation is based on population. Apportionment also affects the balance of power in picking presidents because the number of votes each state gets in the Electoral College is based on its number of senators and representatives. The states that President Biden won in 2020 were worth 306 electoral votes at the time. 
Now those states combined total is 303. Interesting. Going down, right? Going down. Last year's census was highly charged with then-President Trump seeking changes to the headcount that critics said were meant to favor the GOP, such as adding a question on citizenship status. We're just going to slyly slip this one in. The move was blocked by the Supreme Court. The new data reflect the southward shift. This is what I find interesting. The southward shift of the nation's center of gravity, meaning where everybody is, but not to the extent that had been predicted based on population estimates. Texas and Florida were each expected to gain more than one seat, one or more seat than they ultimately did. Arizona was anticipated to pick up an additional district, but its representation remained unchanged, which some blamed on lack of outreach to minority communities. Okay. I know some states that they're spending all, I think California spent a lot of money reaching out and some states like Texas just flat didn't do it. Yeah. You know what? It, it is what it is. Whatever. We know we got people moving here. Not really going to count them or we're not going to go out of our way to. Uh, you know, really kept this wildly accurate or have this counted towards the whole political restructuring, right? Changing representation. You got a map here for those of you on the podcast kind of just shows what's going on. California losing some seats and then uh, other states, basically in the Northeast, same thing. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Basically just California on the West Coast lost uh, a seat and then handful of states that are, you know, basically in the Northeast, not the, you know, not on the uh, far East Coast, but super darn close. I asked numerous times for the Trump administration not to cut short the census to invest in our Native American communities and Latino communities. Arizona Representative Ruben Galejo or Galago, a Democrat tweeted after the Galejo, right? Uh, tweeted after the apportionment was announced. This is what happens when you politicize the census. California leaders, fearing loss of influence in Congress and diminished federal aid that is determined by population, spent more than $187 million to encourage residents to participate. $187 million. Man, that's a lot just to basically say, hey, we need you to participate. You know, when you get all those uh, census things and then you fill them out and then they come back and say, hey, we need you to fill this out. I find that particularly annoying or they come to your door, you tell them the information, you fill out a survey, you send it in and then somebody still comes and knocks on your door. Nearly 70% of households in California took part online by mail or by phone, exceeding the national average and besting the rate in such states as Texas, Florida, and Arizona. So California knew, oh yeah, we gotta do something. We gotta do something about the fleeing population. The importance of boosting while Texas, Florida, and Arizona. Yeah, bring them on in. Keep on a coming. We got room for you. We want you here. We know that you want to be here. We're going to give you a spot. California, ah, don't leave. It's great. It's sunny here. Leaving in droves, right? The importance of boosting participation was felt most acutely in New York, which would have avoided losing the one seat if just 89 more residents had been counted. So close, yet so far. You know those guys in New York are like, 89? Are you kidding I could have got 89 more people if I just would have gone out and did something that one night that I went out for drinks with friends instead. 
I'm making this up completely, but that's, I mean, when you get down to 89 people, you just need 89 more residents to be counted. That's brutal. That's not even a hundred, clearly. Pretty good at math, right? The political winners and losers will become clearer after the next round of data is released and the mapping of new district lines begins. Districts must roughly have equal populations, but politicians have divvied them up often to the benefit of their own parties and incumbents, a process known as gerrymandering. The, consti the Constitution gives state legislatures, this is where I get sort of bored, but it's important, and I should have paid more attention to this, because this whole part is where I just get fuzzy on how all this works. I'm sure you guys have a better handle on this than I do. Um, I'm a real estate guy. That's my excuse. At plus COVID. COVID is why I don't understand this as well. COVID. The Constitution gives state legislatures the power to draw congressional and legislative districts, although an increasing number of states, including California, rely on independent commissions or other reforms to make up the map drawing less overtly partisan. We just don't want it to look that partisan. So we're going to go, you guys, you guys are independents over there. You guys square away our data. Tell us how it is. We'll look better. Thanks for your service. Still, Republicans are largely seen as having the upper hand in this year's redistricting cycle as they control the state houses in Texas, Florida, and North Carolina, all of which pitched, picked up additional congressional seats. The smallest shift in district lines can have a major impact on a seat's ideological tilt. Without knowing those borders, it can be difficult to determine which candidate is the best fit. So you got to know, I mean, it's, it, it is like war. You got to know your strategy going into it. And um, so this is a large portion of that strategy. You know, who's got the seats? What's that look like? All right, here's how we plan accordingly. Here is our, uh, here's our game plan. Here's our pregame plan, halftime game plan, fourth quarter approach. Some candidates are going to have to make a split second decision about which district to run in. And it could completely alter their message or platform, said Dave Wasserman, an expert on redistricting with the Cook Political Report. What do you do? I am a specialist on redistricting. I'm sure it's important, but um, yeah, I'm an expert on redistricting and I'm with the Cook Political Report. So far beyond anything that I'm you know, accustomed to. The lack of clarity makes it more difficult for party leaders to draft contenders early especially without knowing a district's political leanings or whether a candidate lives within its boundaries, which is not required under the Constitution, but is generally seen as a plus. Do you live in our district? No, nope. I live far away. All right. Well, still going to vote for you. I mean, that's kind of how that goes, right? No, you want, you want local people. Support local. You've got to know the answers to those questions before you invest a penny in a race. So much strategy goes on in this stuff. And that's where I tend to just kind of check out because I'm just like, just tell me who won. I voted. It probably doesn't count because my vote in the state of Washington never counts for Jack because we're way over here and the races are already won by the time, you know, they, they get to us. Plus, we're on the, the West Coast time zone. So I always feel like, you know, as a Seattle resident, Bellevue resident, that I do my part as a citizen to vote. But especially on the, um, on the you know, the national elections, it's like, why did I do that? This, uh, 
Another complicating factor is the potential for incumbents to be drawn into the same district, laying the groundwork for a bruising inter-party battle. This makes it sound like a, uh, you know, a wrestling match. It was a bruising inter-party battle that can take resources away from contests and swing states. So there it is. You're managing your manpower, you know, um, kind of just who gets what and how it goes down and so much of that strategy. And that's where I hear it on the political talk before the big election. And I kind of pay attention. I want to pay attention. But then at the end of the day, just tell me who won. Just just tell me. California Democrats had their own family drama after the last redistricting cycle when longtime representatives Brad Sherman and Howard Berman were pitted against each other for a San Fernando Valley seat. The feud nearly led to a physical altercation at a campaign forum, Sherman ultimately emerged as the winner. Did you guys see the video lately? Uh, there was uh, two fights that broke out in the Miami airport, and guys were just going hard. That's the kind of stuff I watch and pay attention to. Districting, redistricting cycles and stuff. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I just don't care enough, but know it's important. It's like you should pay attention, but you don't. I care about the fights in the Miami airport. I mean, oh, good one. It's like, oh, you guys shouldn't be fighting. Stop fighting, but I'm going to watch. California was the biggest political earthquake of the last round of redistricting, replacing an incumbent protection plan, a map, with one that paid no regard to incumbents or election data because it was drawn by an independent commission, Wasserman said. And one way or another, California is going to have a map that pays little regard to incumbency once again. California registered a population of 39.5 million, up 2 million from the last census. The state had more births and deaths and net migration from other countries. But within the United States, more people moved out of California than in. That's interesting, right? I mean, that is a known trend. They're leaving San Francisco. They're leaving LA. They're leaving a lot of the big cities in California. People are getting out. When I started in real estate back in the 1500s, um, that was a major, major thread. The first big market spike that I remember seeing was I think 1989, 1989 through 1991, we had a huge run up. And one of the things was just people moving in from out of state. And I think I've mentioned this before, but fairly close to where I ne live now in East Bellevue, I appraised a home. And this is one of the few things I remember from my early days, because I've had so much data go into my head that um, I basically just purge, 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 and I no longer take it in because it's not really relevant. I'm talking about, you know, fights breaking out at the uh, airport in Miami. That seems to be more of the common thread in my professional life now. Um, but getting back to something relevant to this podcast, I remember, I think it was 1989, it was a guy. And if I could remember his name, that would be supremely awesome. But a lot has transpired since 1989. But he was a framer. He had a he was a framer and he had a framing company and they became a uh, general contractor. He built some homes. So he bought a primary residence for 75 grand little rambler in East Bellevue close to where I live. And like 18 months later, he sold it for 150 grand. And I remember seeing that going that is a massive increase in price. I don't know if I'm going to be able to support this on the appraisal end of things. And then I started looking at comps and I'm like, whoa, he got a good deal on the front end 
And then on the back end, he has taken advantage of all these California people moving in. And that was a real trend then because Microsoft was kind of just taken off. We are, this house was probably three miles from one Microsoft way in, in Redmond. I mean, Microsoft very close to Bellevue, basically a butts. And so this was very close there. And so the market, you know, back in the 80s was feeling this appreciation. And that was one of those things where we knew people are moving out of Cali, even back in the 80s is the bottom line. So all of my professional life has been where are you from California? Okay, yeah. All right, that makes sense. And then we had all this tech stuff go on. One of the other things I remember from my very, very early times appraising, meaning going out, looking at people's homes, telling them how much they're worth. Yeah, I got to look in your closet. Yeah, I need to get in that room. What is up with that one room? It's 10 by 10. Can't get in there. Why is it locked? Why do you keep it locked? What's in there? Yeah, a lot of those stories because the lender wants to know, I don't care what's in your room. I just need to be able to take a photo of it and put it in my report because that is my job. One of the other things that was really interesting from that time period in my career was when the whole tech thing took off, you had a lot of young men who were getting money, they were getting stock options And the one thing they would do is they'd buy like a Ferrari or a Lambo or a Maserati, something like that. They're kids, you know, they're in their 20s, they got a stock option. Hey, Bill Gates has a Ferrari, I should have one too. There was a story that Bill Gates and one of his other uh, head honcho guys would race from Bellevue, from their respective, no, it was from the Microsoft headquarters, they would race from there to SeaTac and see who could get there in the record, you know, they're driving 150 miles an hour on the freeway. Bill Gates lost his license at one point in time, uh, going through uh, Bellevue, going through Medina, and that police officer, he lost his job. You can check that out. That's one of those news stories I read in high school. Um, but again, getting back to something relevant, what what the trend was is these tech young tech kids, they would have these big homes, three, four, five bedrooms, They're nice, they're newer because they could afford it. They would have no furniture and yet they'd have a Ferrari in the garage. And that's why as an appraiser, I'd walk into these homes and go, oh yeah, you're in tech. You work for Microsoft, you work for whatever. Bunch of companies that are no longer around today because Microsoft has absorbed them. But those were some of the trends where this tech money coming to basically, you know, a logging and timber town. And, uh, you know, we've got the Seattle waterfront and all the ships coming in and out. But we had this merge to where you've got California, people coming from California in droves because the quality of life back then, even back in the 80s, was crappy. Back to our regularly scheduled program here. The sluggish population growth resulted in the loss of a congressional seat, which redistricting analysts say could shake up Los Angeles County. The 25th Congressional District, which includes Simi Valley and Santa Clarita, could be drawn inland, giving the seat a more liberal makeup and imperial, whatever that word is, the election election of uh, GOP representative Mike Garcia. But the redrawing of the boundaries could also reverberate in the Central Valley or Orange County, the once solidly GOP region that is now in prime swing territory. Could go either way. Swinger, right? So a lot of this stuff just kind of changing up. But the big trend is those states that picked up the seats in California, losing one. Uh, Hey, things are changing. Even after losing one seat, California's 52-member delegation will remain the largest in Congress, 
followed by Texas, which will now have 38 seats. So Texas on the comeback. My parents moved to Texas, I think in 89, uh, along with my brother. He did not move there voluntarily. And um, so they've been down there in that direction forever. And it didn't used to be the place you'd move to. And I find it really interesting that in 2021, I'm going to Texas. I need some more freedom. I just find it super interesting that, that, that we've gotten that far along with all these states, everybody kind of identifying what's going on to that level. And people are like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out of Cali. I'm going to Texas. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to Washington. The fact that Texas Republicans will hold the pen in redistricting looms large as Democrats try to find candidates for the upcoming cycle, as do historical trends that portend a difficult midterm election for the party that holds the presidency. My suspicion is this will be a much tougher recruiting cycle for Democrats than it was the last two times, said Jim Henson of the Muppets. No, he's the director of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin. Again, that's a mouthful. Muppets would have been easier, right? Although some operatives in the state have encountered candidates who are hesitant to commit to running, others say there's been a surprising willingness from, ent- from hopefuls to enter the fray. I tr- attributed to January 6th and the insurrection at the Capitol. Is that really an insurrection? Are we still talking about that? Why are we still talking about? We're just so focused on that. I'm not we, but I mean the media in general. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, that that's old news. We kind of no longer care about that. We don't really talk about Trump anymore and the whole January 6th insurrection. I don't know. Uh, but that was made a state was a statement made by Lisa Turner, state director of the Lone Star Project in the Democratic PAC political action committee. My phone has been blowing up with candidates saying, I'm running in this district. It doesn't matter where the lines go. They're running. Sandy Mortham, who leads Maggie's List, a national conservative group backing female politicians, said women are charging ahead by necessity. They need all the time they can get to raise money and build buzz. Her group has already issued two endorsements, an unusual step this early in the cycle. So things are a-happening. And I do follow a little bit about that, but it just doesn't interest me enough to really kind of apportion the hard drive space and the random access memory to pay attention enough to figure out, okay, here, here's where we need you know this angle or whatever it may be. By the time the lines come out, it's too late to jump in at that point, Mortham said, so you got to jump in early. How the lines are eventually drawn may pr- provide fodder for political attacks. In Colorado, Democratic State Senator Kerry Donovan plans to challenge first-term Representative Lauren Boebert, a conservative firebrand who has gotten national notice as a gun-toting provocateur. Provocateur carries a gun around. Oh, she shouldn't carry a gun. You know what I love about um, Stephen Crowder? He wears a gun holster on his poster, on his uh, podcast. Just, you know, one of those leather over the shoulder. Just wears a gun holster. I think that's funny. Donovan. And then another thing about Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro has a mic like right here, but then he's mic'd up on, the, on his shirt as well. I should talk closer into the mic. So I've been kind of looking at that thinking the one mic is just for show. 
is that right, Ben? Is that what you're doing? You got one mic for show? Because there shouldn't, if your mic is, you know, plugged into your soundboard, you shouldn't have to have two mics unless maybe, maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's why my podcasts just aren't that professional. I don't have nearly enough microphones. Donovan's legislative district overlaps considerably with the third congressional district seat held by Bobert. But Donovan's home, a condo in Vail, sits just outside the current boundaries. Uh, so Donovan's, I mean, Donovan's going to need to move. You, you got to be within district cut lines, right? Donovan told the Denver Post that she and her family own a ranch in the third district. Okay, we got this one. We got a condo in Vail. This just sounds like somebody with a lot of money, right? But 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 then our, our ranch, our ranch is in the third district. We count. And her home could be drawn into the seat after redistricting. Bobert, meanwhile, is already painting her potential opponent as a carpetbagger. You're a dirty carpetbagger. I'm going to win. Perhaps Miss Donovan should focus on where she lives, works, and votes instead of trying to increase her political position by pandering to folks she doesn't even know. She said in a statement to the Post, the impact of the census delay is also, you know, COVID, the impact of the census delay is also rippling into the judicial system where multiple states have filed lawsuits challenging the September release of the redistricting data or seeking court approval to change their deadlines for the process. In summer 2020, the California Supreme Court granted more time to the state's independent redistricting commission to complete its work. COVID, you guys need more time. And I rip on the COVID thing a lot because I find it annoying uh, because so many things have been blamed on COVID that just aren't relevant, that aren't just part of reality, like shutting economies down. In Congress, meanwhile, a bipartisan group of lawnmakers is seeking to give legal cover to the delayed data release for the 2020 count by enshrining into law the later deadlines previously announced by the Census Bureau. Are you guys confused at this point? I am too. What are we doing? Just tell me who wins. A version of the legislation failed last year in the Republican-controlled Senate. There was always this fight to give the Bureau more time, depoliticize it, Try to get a more accurate count, said Democratic Representative Jimmy Gomez of Los Angeles, a co-sponsor of the measure. He said the bill was necessary in order to give greater legal standing for the states to push back their redistricting. All right. Still to come are challenges to maps once they're drawn, said Paul Mitchell of the hair product company. No. Um, <laughs> a Sacramento-based consultant, he calls the inevitable afterbirth of redistricting. The narrowing of the time frame between the completion of plans and the filing deadlines really limits the ability to sue, said Mitchell, who runs a redistricting consulting firm. If you sue successfully, it narrows the ability to create remedies. So all this stuff is just, it's, it's in that whole political process, right? Which I should understand more, and maybe you do. You probably do, and you're probably like, "Oh, Sean, you butchered that." I mean, your your coverage of this angle was just so minimal. Bottom line: California lost a seat. It's what we're doing, and we all kind of know why, because California's got a lot of stuff going on, and lack of affordability in its housing. Just a lot of people. I mean, San Francisco. Look at San Francisco. Look at L.A. Can you blame people for leaving? Crazy, crazy. But I do think it's interesting that California spent as much money as they did on basically getting an accurate census count and the states that ended up gaining the seats, they didn't spend any money at all because there's a groundswell of people moving to those states 
and leaving states like California. That's the stuff that I find super interesting that I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And you hear it all the time. You hear it on, you know, stuff that comes across my desk is, okay, my seller's doing this or my buyer's doing this. And there's always a little bit of a backstory. And I pay attention just a smidge to that backstory because that is, those are the trends that I kind of follow. My sellers just moved out of LA. They're coming up to the Northwest because they're retiring and they don't want to pay the taxes that they need to in California. Or, you know, they got relocated from California. Google relocated them up here or Apple relocated them up here. You know, Apple's going on a hiring spree and you know, you're gonna have a 1000 more jobs here. And I think we've got 250 applications here from Apple in our job market alone, right now, and they're going to hire, you know, like a 1000 more people, you multiply that by, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of companies. And that's why you pick up all these people coming into an area like Washington, even though you see in the national media that Seattle, Seattle, proper is having a tough time. But that, you know, people will go back into into Seattle, and um, everything kind of goes in a cycle. People will go back to California too, but not probably anytime soon. But there is not a lot of opportunity, economic opportunity in California as well, right? I mean, there's just a lot of jobs there. So people are going there. It's just they've got an out migration. One of the few terms that, um, you know, I do truly understand in migration, out migration, the difference One's in, one's out, less people, more people, that whole thing. But um, yeah, so that's where we're at on this storyline. I think it's super interesting from the standpoint of population, you know, translates into how politics down the road actually happens. Because you'll have, you'll have that talk of those uh, super self-important political commentators, and they'll be like, well, you remember back in the redistricting in the 2020 census, you know, you'll have that conversation. I'll go, yeah, no, I don't remember that at all. I should, I probably did a podcast on it, but I don't really remember what that meant. Didn't really understand the significance at the time and understand even less now. But that's part of the stuff that, um, that goes on that I know I should pay more attention to, but I just don't. I don't know what we're doing here in the Seattle real estate, not political podcast, real estate. Okay, I beat this one into the ground. Thanks so much for joining. God, I went like 35 minutes into this bad boy, maybe 37. Who's counting? All right. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for being part of the Seattle real estate podcast. And for sending those storylines again, it's Sean at Seattle real estate podcast.com. Sean is spelled S-E-A-N. I know it sounds like scene, but it's not. Don't spell it like Sean Kemp of the Sonics, S-H-A-W-N, because that is not how you spell my name. Thanks again for being here. Thanks again for supporting. We'll catch up with you guys soon. Talk then. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out. 